Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. AD, although it was passed down for thousands of years before that through uh, the Jewish oral tradition, and it has... um, it, it tells the story of God, the creation, the fall, the journey of God preserving His people and the coming of a Messiah in Jesus. The whole Old Testament points towards Jesus. Are any of the writings after Jesus point back to Jesus? And this is a book about Jesus and about us, how we, can, we are loved by the Father. It's a romance story. It's an action story. It's a, a drama at times. Sometimes it's a little bit funny. It's a comedy as well. Most of all, it is the truth. It is true. It's not made up. It's not just some ideas about God. It is God's Word. That's what we believe as a church. It's written by over 40 authors, 66 books of the Bible. We have some of them written by shepherds. We have fishermen. We have doctors. We have priests. We have prophets. We have kings who have authored this book over thousands of years, collections of books that none contradict each other. It tells a progressive story. They did not have Google to do cross-references. They did not have the ability to check in on each other and from Over those thousands of years, we see an authoritative, inerrant Word of God laid out for you and I. None of us can say that God hasn't spoken to us. He has spoken through His Word. Amen? That's what we're looking at like this month. And I know in this place, we have some people who believe that. We have some people who don't believe that. We have some people who are figuring that out on the journey. The goal of this month is to um, hopefully inspire you to pick up your Bible again and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do through the Word of God. Our statement of faith here at C3 Church, uh, Calgary Central, who we are, but as a global movement about the Word of God, I think it's number four on our statement of faith, says this, the Bible, we believe that the Bible is the living Word of God, infallible, authoritative, and everlasting, and the foundation of all Christian doctrine and faith. I'm excited about this. I love, I, I love the Bible. Um, Billy Graham says this. Billy Graham, ever heard of him? Just a guy. Famous evangelist says this. If you're ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. If you're ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray as we go on this journey together, you speak to us, you meet us, you teach us. You break misconceptions about your word, and Lord, that you would, you would just show up in all of our sermons, all of our teachings, all of our readings, and you would move like only you can move. Amen. Um, so I'm going to share from 2 Timothy chapter 3 today here, uh, as I preach today about, but why the word? Why should we do a Bible reset in our lives? Um, why should we constantly be resetting and, and re-putting the Word of God and establishing in our life? And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the context here is the Apostle Paul. He's, a, he's an older man now, he's, um, and he's 
writing a letter to a younger Timothy, who, who's a church leader at the time, but he's mentored, he's, he's discipled. He has seen Timothy go from a, a very, very you know, a young child, potentially, um, or, or late teens up, and he's grow, mentored him, and he's discipling him. He's a spiritual son, and he's writing a letter to his spiritual son. And in second, I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture because we believe in Scripture here, believe in the Word of God, but I think sometimes we can focus on one or two verses and miss the greater context of what's going on. So it'll come up on the screen around me. Turn there in your Bibles. If you if you have that, write them down in your journal and let's allow the Word of God to speak to us as through Paul, the Holy Spirit offered this letter to speak to Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 3, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, Anyone seen times of difficulty in 2023? Any times of difficulty around? Not, oh, I'm the only one. Okay, that's fine. Well, the, in the last days, there'll come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. They'll be brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Down to verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescue me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I hope you came for good news here today. This is, does anyone desire a godly life in Christ Jesus? Yeah, we all do. Well, here we go. We will be persecuted. Well, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, here's the good news. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 16, and this is the one we all know and the one that I'm zooming into on this series. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped, sorry, may be complete and equipped for every good work. What a passage of Scripture. We're going to unpack that a little bit, but those last two verses there is the one that we really know. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. I'm setting up the context before those two verses for us. I don't know if you've ever looked around, and it seems like this. This is an observation that I have. Um, no matter how far advanced in technology the world seems to get, no matter how much progress in politics that happens, no matter how much education in, in health and the medical and, and all these things that take place, all that can be great things, the world overall doesn't seem to be doing too well. People are hurting. For all the progress we make, it doesn't seem 
Like on a, on, a, on a ground level, people are doing any better. I meet more depressed people, more anxious people than ever before. We're all facing different troubles and trials in different ways, but this expands in our community here in a privileged area of the world in Calgary. There's still hurting and brokenness all around us. No matter how good the world gets, it also seems to be getting worse. And that's what Paul's laying out here to Timothy. He, he says it's things are going to get worse. They're going to get better. It's going to continue to happen. But for the follower of Christ, we are set apart to live a different way. Um, if this, as I was prepping this, it reminded me of a song lyrics of one of my favorite band, bands growing up. It was one of the first bands I discovered when I became a Christian as a teenager that I found out, oh, actually, Christian music can be cool. That's good. Um, it's probably Chugi now, and it's the OC Supertones. Does anybody know the Orange County Supertones? Oh, thank you. I'm not alone on this. But the lyrics of this song reminded me when I was reading this scripture, and I'm going to read it. The lyrics go like this. Does the world ever seem like a nightmare? Some suffer but the other ones don't care. What does it matter if it's going on elsewhere? Like it doesn't happen if it's not happening here. When the communists turned into terrorists, but the Axis came before the Soviets, and before that came the Confederates, we'll always have a war to fight. You can count on this. It's really hard to not sing it as I'm going. With every cure, there comes another sickness. The earth dies with every bit of progress. We've gone deaf to the cries of the oppressed, but what we need is Jesus to redeem us. I love those words, and I love that. And that's kind of what Paul is laying out to Timothy, that things are going to get like this, and we need Jesus to redeem us. He says, hey, things are going to get off track. They are off track. The world is crazy. As a result of that, people are getting crazier. People are becoming more selfish, all these kind of things. If you're not seeing that yet, in your world, well, I don't want to bring bad news today, but get ready. And if you are seeing it, get used to it. You and I, however, are called to be different. To follow Jesus, to be a Christian, to truly know Him and be known by Him is we're signing up to a different path than what the world has. We don't have permission any longer to become those things because we're new in Christ. Doesn't mean that we don't, trickle into times of selfishness. But as a Christian, we have to step back out of that. Breaking the stage. Doesn't matter, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that we won't fall into times where we do stuff wrong. Of course, that's what happens. We're humans. We don't get to live there. We're called to live a different life. We're set apart for a different reason. If everyone around us is hating, guess what? We love. If the world around us is selfish, guess what? We, get to, we, we are meant to be selfless. If everyone else is persecuting and pointing the finger and blaming, we take responsibility, we take authority, we make change, we bring freedom because we're set apart to walk a different path. That's what you and I are signing up to. And Paul says here, and I believe the structure of the scripture is put there, that how are we going to do that? by being a people of the word. That's what's going on. Paul says, these are the things, Timothy, that's gonna happen. Things are gonna get worse. Things are gonna get worse here. But you're a student of the word and all scriptures breathed out by God. So you're gonna be okay. You're gonna bring change. You're gonna bring difference. The things that have become common practice to the world are not meant to be common practice to us. Okay, Holy Spirit, help me get back on track here. If you and I are more influenced by the world 
than by the word, then those are the things that will become. The things that were listed in that scripture. If we're more influenced by the world around us and that's having a louder voice and we're more um, digesting the content from the world than allowing the word of God to shape us, to mold us, to direct us, to guide us, to teach us and to point us to Jesus, then we will eventually become more and more like the culture around us. How do we live set apart in this culture while still loving it? It's by becoming a people of the word. Of course, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's by choice, but we do those things by being students of the Bible. The Word of God is important. It said in verse 15 there, I love that Paul said this. I've never actually noticed really this before. Isn't it amazing? You can read a passage a hundred times, but then because it's living and active, you read it and something else jumps out at you. Uh, I've been on a journey with a bunch of people here in the church of doing, we've just started. We're seven days into our Bible in one year reading plan. And um, if you want a copy of that, you can come and grab. I've got to print it off a copy there. But we're just journeying through the Bible, a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and a proverb every single day. And it's amazing because I've done this for years and years. But every time where I come in faith and I, I see something new, I see something fresh. doesn't mean every time I get some great revelation where the clouds part, big beam of light comes down. Ooh, and it gets me like that. No, sometimes it's a thought, it's a moment. It's, huh, I didn't notice that. But in faith, as we step out and then during the day, go, okay, Lord, like I didn't, that was crazy. I don't know what that meant. But as we go through our day, if we're students of the word, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will bring that back to us and start to show us how that actually impacts us. So I noticed here, that's for the first time, really, it says, Timothy, um, Paul's saying, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. From childhood. Side note, parents, it's our responsibility to teach our kids the Bible, to teach the Word of God, to find ways to, to be a family who are studiers of the Word. You know, in our house, we try to do this. We, we make it fun. One of the fa- I, I do it by acting things out. I know you guys wouldn't think that I'm a dramatic kind of person, but I love acting things out, and I have some pretty dramatic kids as well. And Brittany, well, she's just wild. No, not really. It's we're the dramatic ones and she's just rolling her eyes. But we act out stories. We make it fun. We make it engaging. Our favorite one's David and Goliath. It's an awesome one to act out. Most of the time we get it right. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it takes a machine gun of pillows thrown at the giant Goliath to take him down. One time I remember with Hewan and Cohen and, and I, um, Hewan was being Goliath. We were being David and David's little brother who isn't biblical, but that's all right. We're teaching the Bible. And Goliath ate us. He ended up eating us. Okay, we got it wrong. But most of the time we get it right. But it's our responsibility to pass on the sacred writings, the scripture to our kids. It's not up to kids' church to do that. They do an amazing job. It's not just up to other people. It's up to parents, families, grandparents to to pour out the sacred writings into our family. Anyway, let's continue. I love this because it's talking about um, the ancient scriptures here, the ancient writings. So what would have that been? So, because remember, Paul here is writing what we now call the scripture and canon about the sacred writings, about the Bible. So the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It's getting written at the time. So Timothy was raised on on the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, particularly the first five books of the Bible. That's what Paul's talking about here. And even when he says in 
that all scriptures God breathed, well, the scripture's still getting written of the New Testament. Have you ever thought about that? I'm trying to create a tension, a question here, because we believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament is the authoritative word of God. But in the context, at the time of writing, who knows whether Paul was really aware of that or not. The scripture was getting written, but he is talking about the Old Testament. Everything pre-Jesus is what Timothy was raised on and getting spoken about. But I love what it says. Everything pre-Jesus, all those sacred writings which Timothy was acquainted with, it says, um, let me just read it, verse 15. And from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, Old Testament, pre-Jesus, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But Jesus hasn't come along yet. How do these old writings seem to make him ready for Jesus? Because the entire Old Testament from the fall is pointing us towards the coming Messiah, the need for a Savior. So Timothy was raised on the ancient scriptures that weren't, were pre-Jesus, but were pointing towards Jesus. Does that make sense? He was raised on the Old Testament, and I've heard in some circles that, well, why do we need the Old Testament anymore? Why do we, we need that? Like, we just, let's just learn about Jesus. And we do through the Old Testament. It actually points us to Jesus. It shows us things. It's a foreshadow, a forerunner of God. There's other lessons to be learned in the Old Testament, but ultimately the purpose, the point is it's directing us towards the need for a Savior. And Caitlin did so well in, in sharing communion today and speaking of the laws, but the whole point of that law was to reveal to us that we can't have righteousness on our own accord, but Jesus, but Jesus comes along. It's an awesome thing. It can be confusing. Okay, let me just, so let's talk about the Old Testament for a moment. You with me here today? We're kicking off the Bible reset. I want to inspire us to pick up the Word of God again. Some people in this place today, you've never picked up a Bible. Your first step will be picking it up and starting the journey. Some of us today have been reading our Bible all our life, but maybe the Lord wants to bring fresh perspective on it, wants to allow us this year, 2024, to be where we see it through the eyes of faith like a child and that we don't let becoming over-familiar with the stories miss the point that the Word of God is living and it's active and it's moving and it's shaping and in different seasons of life, it can speak to us in different ways. Some of us are somewhere in between. We believe the Bible, we try to read it occasionally, we find it really hard, and so we put it away. And then we try again, and then we put it away, and then we try and get in a good rhythm. I believe this month the Lord wants to speak to all of us about what it is to have the Word of God active in our life. So up to this point, the Old Testament, Paul's talking about this. In Psalm 119, verse 97, it says this, the psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. Speaking about the written law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet your words are to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Wow. Church, that's how I want us to feel about the Word of God. That's how I want to feel about the Bible. 
And I'm just as guilty as just treating it flippantly, treating it casually. But when I read that, I go, wow, that's what I want, Lord, that your word would be as sweet as honey. And that we'd be excited about the word of God, would realize the revelation of it. I, I understand life's busy. I live life as well. I, we live in the same context. I understand that things are disappointing and things are confusing and there's so much information out there. But I want this word to be like honey to us as a church. Sweet and we get excited about the Bible and we bring it in and it's confusing, but we be confused together. And it's life-giving and we get life together. And in seasons of mourning, we go to the Word. In seasons of victory, we go to the Word. In seasons where we don't know what to do, we get our direction from the Word of God. When things are going great, we praise like the Word of God tells us. I want the Word to be what directs us and excites us and, and stirs us up to go out and live the life that God has for us. That His Word would be the lamp to our feet and a light to our path always. Is anybody with me? There's some of us here today that believe the Word of God, but do we hold it in high regard? Do we actually value it? We think that it has good advice, but do we believe that it has more wisdom than the latest self-help book, the latest trend on TikTok, the latest social media guru, that this Word is actually wiser? I know we're trying to live out the Word but are we doing that from a place of religious rules and obligations or out of it being living, living and active in our life? Do we get delight in the Word of God or do we find it a kind of a drag that we just have to get through? Lord, would you bring life to our time in your Word? How sweet your words are to my taste. I'm all over the place today here, so let me find my track. So the Old Testament that uh, Paul's speaking of here, the sacred writings are Scripture, but actually the New Testament is equally Scripture. That's what we believe. So how do we see that in the Scripture? Well, again, maybe you should consider coming to the Masterclass, the workshop in February. I have two little points here that I would hope if there's any questions about the validity or that at least the Word itself would regard the New Testament as Scripture here today. I, I want that to be gone in this place. Now, the decision that we walk away with is, are we going to treat this as God's Word? Are we going to treat this as a good book? Or are we going to reject it and believe some of the accusations that come against it? It's a step of faith. But in 2 Peter verse three fifteen, I found it interesting. Um, the Apostle Peter's writing now. And so he says this about Paul's writings. It says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. That's such a relief for me. Because even the Apostle Peter is saying, hey, some of the letters from Paul are kind of hard to understand. So if you've ever come across any scripture and you're like, that's kind of hard to understand, well, you're in good company. The Apostle Peter, like Jesus' right-hand man, feels, thinks they're pretty confusing too. He says, There are some things that are in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destructions, as they do the other Scriptures. Okay, observe that there. So let's keep that up on the screen there. Yeah, that, yeah, that there. So 
they, there's people who are twisting some of Paul's writings and letters. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone twist Scripture, try to use Scripture against you, against someone else. We're all guilty of making mistakes when we interpret Scripture. The Scripture is perfect and, and authoritative and inerrant. That doesn't mean our interpretation of it is always right. Um, N.T. Wright says, uh, at any given time, 20% of the best theologians have bad theology. So it's kind of one of those things that we're always on a journey with. But it says, they twist... Peter says about Paul's writings, they're twisting it to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So he is equating Paul's writings at the time, in the moment, on the same level as the ancient and other scriptures. Does that make sense? So right there we see an indicator. Okay, so even in the early church, even in these days at that time, the letters, the epistles that were getting written, the gospels that are written are being considered on the same level as the other scriptures. First Timothy verse 518 Back to Paul again. He says this um, in, in verse 518. The scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the workers deserve his wage. What's interesting about this is the first part of what he's quoting is from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. But the second of that is actually derived from the Gospel of Luke 10, verse 7. So he's taking an Old Testament portion of the scripture, teaming that with a New Testament part of the Bible there, and equating them as equal authority, both as Scripture. I don't know, I find that fascinating. So even in the early church, even in the days of of Paul and Peter writing the Scriptures, they are being considered the holy Word of God, inerrant and authoritative. Um, Again, there's so much stuff to go into. My intro is done. Let me... Give me seven more minutes on this point, and we're going to continue to go on a journey with the Word of God. But there's some interesting facts. So we believe, I believe, now more than ever in my life, that the Bible is the full authoritative Word of God. Old Testament and New Testament, all of them are valuable. That's what the Scripture tells us. Um, And so I just want to quickly go through here. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped in every good work. The first thing that we hear that the Scripture is profitable for, because as humans, we all want to know, well, what's in it for me, right? What's the profit? That's just a part of our, part of our desires. What, what's the game? Well, Paul is saying here, the Scripture profits us in this way. It's for teaching. We are to be learners. We're always, as soon as you stop learning, you stop being a disciple of Christ, Soon as we stop learning, and we're all just, we want to be disciples of Christ, that we've given our life to Him. So guess what? We're signing up to being a lifelong learner. You never stop. I love um, some of you guys would know Pastor Pastor Fenn. Um, how old's Pastor Fenn, Sean? Like eighty-six years old, preaching the Bible for over fifty-six years, ministering in this city, or man of the word. And whenever I get with him, and he starts talking about the scriptures, he's in love with the Bible. He's learning the scriptures still. If anyone had an excuse in, that I know in my life to go, yeah, I kind of know everything there is to know, it would be him. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because he's a disciple of Christ and we never stop learning. We can very quickly start to think we know everything. We never learn. The term disciple means one who engages in learning through instruction from another. It means an apprentice. We never stop learning. The Word of God teaches us. The second thing it says is it's, it's profitable for reproof. This comes from the Greek word elegamos, and that means for conviction, for refuting, for rebuking, and for exposing. 
So what's the Word of God good for? For exposing things in our life. The Word of God exposes in the world, in us as individuals, in what's going on, what's wrong. It exposes what is wrong. Romans 7 says this, If it hadn't been for the law, I would not have known sin. If it hadn't been for the the written law of God, I wouldn't have known sin. There's things in my life when I became a Christian as a teenager, because of my upbringing, because of my way I've been brought up, that I didn't know were wrong. But then when I read the Scriptures and I realized it was outside of the Word of God, it made clear to me what was wrong. So that's what it's saying there, that the Bible is good for exposing. But the nice thing is the Bible doesn't just expose. It then goes on to show us how to fix that. What to do right in correction. So the, the third that said there, uh, reproof was elegamos, which is exposing what's going wrong and what we are doing wrong. But then right after that, it says correction, epinorphos, or ep- epinorphos, I think is how it says it, is, which means how to get right again. The Word of God exposes our problem, but it gives us the solution to that problem. That's why we need the Word of God. No matter how awesome and holy and pure and great you are, there's things in each of our lives that need to be exposed so that God can deal with them. And He does that through the Word and His Holy Spirit, and then He corrects it through the Word and His Holy Spirit. It's like, it's amazing because God doesn't just give us the problem, He also gives us the solution. It's such a cool thing. Um, And that word, epinorphos, means correction. I love this. Okay, I'm getting excited. I love this. It means correction. It means improving, it means restoration, and it means revival. That's what it means. The Word of God is profitable for restoration and revival in your life. Does anybody need revival in any of the areas of your life? I know I do. Well, the Word of God, when we read it in faith and walk it out, brings restoration and revival for us. This is like happy dance material. This is an awesome thing. Okay, the fourth thing it says is training in righteousness. This is continuing our discipleship journey. The Word of God it teaches us, it exposes what's wrong, it shows us what's right, and then trains us in righteousness. It trains us in discipleship. In sanctification is the theological term of the journey that we're on. When we get saved, we get made right before God. As soon as we place our faith in Him, God now sees us as holy and justified. And we can get there and think, who am I to come before God? We're nobody, but in Christ, we are everybody. We have the right to come forward. We've got, we are justified. But then the lifelong journey is sanctification. That's the painful part. That's the purification process until we get to glorification. One of my Bible uh, college instructors used to say it like this, uh, talking about justification, sanctification, glorification. It says, you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. That's the journey. So we get saved. God sees us as pure and righteous and everything, but then we get back to the Trans-Canada Highway on a busy day when everyone's going to the mountains, and all of a sudden, we're not so sanctified anymore, are we? We're swearing at the people cutting us off. Or sin creeps up in our life that we thought we dealt with. Jesus, I thought you dealt with that. Ah, no, you're going through the sanctification process. That's how we're trained in righteousness through His Word. The fifth thing is that we, it's profitable because we become complete and equipped for every good work. Who wants to be complete? I know you love Jesus. I love Jesus. But do you ever feel incomplete? Do you ever feel like there's more to this 
thing, and I just don't know what it is. May it be that we're not allowing the Word of God to complete us and equip us to do every good work. If you're a believer who thinks you don't need the Word of God, you will constantly be incomplete. Jesus loves you still. God loves you. You may love Him, but you'll be forever incomplete until you pick up the Word and allow it to speak and change and morph you by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means about profitable for being complete and equipped for every good work. God has good works for each one of us today, this week, and in our lives. Out of a place of faith, He calls us to doing good works. How do we get equipped for that? It's through His Word, through His Scripture over us. Okay, friends, we need the Word of God. That's been my urge today, and we're going to go on a journey this month. The remedy for incompletion in our life and unsatisfaction in our, our walk with God, one of the remedies, according to the Word of God, is the Word of God, is the Scripture, that we would be complete and equipped through the Word. So if we're not picking it up, if we're not activating it, if we're not going on a journey in it, then we're really missing out on what God has for us. If you feel that in any way that resonates with you, then um, join the club. We're all on that journey together. We need to be students of the Word, not just reading words on a page, but students of the Word, not just learning information, but turning that into transformation in our lives. If I can have the worship team come back up. Um, there's an unknown author. You may have heard this quote before. Um, We're going to end with a little bit of worship here. If you need to, maybe when we start worship, if parents could go and pick up their kids straight away just because we're at that time. But we're going to end with worship today. Um, an unknown author says this, The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. I know, that's what I said when I read it too. <laughs> the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not just cake for special occasions. So the Word of God, it teaches us, reveals what's wrong, it shows us the way to make it right. It trains us to live more godly lives. It equips us and it completes us for the life that God has for us. Ultimately, it reminds us and points us to the need for Jesus and to access the Father's love through Him. That's what we believe as a church. So as we close here, we're going to close with worship. But I want to pray for anybody who wants this year, wants to invite the Holy Spirit in to stir up Bible, their Bible reading, the Word in their life, to go from information to transformation, to help break the hurdle of where you might not even be able to pick it up because you're too busy or that habit's gone and you want the Lord, you're asking the Lord, hey, I, I want to break that cycle. I want to be a student of the Word today. I don't want to compare myself to someone else's journey. I want to have a journey with you and a relationship with you through your Word. And if that's you today, I'd love to just include you in a prayer here. Um, at the end and after service, if you don't know Jesus and you want to meet Him, come and talk to me. I'd love to help you take those steps. If you want prayer for anything, come on forward. But in this moment, if you're wanting to take a journey with the, the Word of God this year, why don't you just stand in this place? It's just an act of faith before God. And if that's not you, that's fine. You can remain seated. But if you're wanting to step into greater levels of the Word of God today, just stand as I pray and then we close out with worship. Yeah. Lord, I thank You, God, as a church. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. 
See you next week.